0: And as you make your way back, you can go ahead and be seated, but uh, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 5, or if you uh, have the uh, church app, you can open it up and uh, press Bible there and it'll open up for you. Matthew chapter 5, and we're beginning in verse 13 through 16. And I began a a series that I'm going to be preaching uh, till uh, actually the Sunday before Mother's Day about words of Jesus. And then from Mother's Day to Father's Day, I'm going to be preaching on Focus on the Family. And during these two series, some of our men who are preachers in the church are going to be uh, plugging in some messages along the way to uh, help minister as well. And uh, so you'll be praying for all of us as we seek God's guidance. But this morning, as we're looking at words of Jesus, we're looking at some words that should be written in red in your Bible. That are words that Jesus spoke, and He spoke to speak to our hearts from His own precious words. And so this morning, as we look at uh, Matthew chapter five, verses thirteen through sixteen, we're looking at something that uh, can almost seem a little f- offensive, and that is "good for nothing." Have you ever heard that expression before, good for nothing? I've heard it used in a couple of different uh, perspectives. You may have heard somebody that's really ticked off at somebody that they feel like is really not beneficial to life. And they say, there are no good, good for nothing. And when the person says that, they're basically saying, that person doesn't ever do anything that's any good or anything useful. So they're just kind of a no good, good for nothing. They have no benefit that they provide for life. And so that's usually somebody that's kind of irritated at somebody that they don't feel like they're really doing anything with their life. They're a no good, good for nothing would be the expression. But that expression kind of has, that expression good for nothing, has sometimes been used for when a person is a good person. But it seems like their goodness, nothing really comes out of it. Nothing really beneficial from it, so they may say, "Well, they're good, but they're just really kind of good for nothing." It's like some things you might have, and they say, "Well, it's it's kind of a good thing to have, but it's really good for nothing." You don't. It's kind of something a conversation piece, but it's really not any good for anything. And within Christianity, uh, sometimes people who uh, feel like that. Getting into heaven, matter of fact, over about two-thirds of people think that you get into heaven by being good. People outside the church, a lot of people you can talk to and say, could you tell me how you get to heaven? And they'd say, well, you just need to be a good person. Well, if a person thinks that being good will get you to heaven and they just try to be good to get into heaven, that would be good for nothing. Because being good won't get you into heaven. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. And so God wants us to be good people, good morally, and do good things. But if just trying to be good is an approach to get to heaven, it's worthless. There's nothing that's going to come out of it because you can't be good and get to heaven. you got to have Jesus and that gift of salvation into your life. And so as we look at Matthew chapter 5, we're looking at some scriptures where Jesus is talking about two different things that we are supposed to be as Christians in this world. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you're a Christian, Jesus is telling us in Matthew chapter 5 that we're to be like salt. The characteristics that salt has. We're to be like that to the world as Christians. And we're also to be like light. The characteristics of what light does, we're supposed to be also as Christians in the world that we live in. And he makes kind of a hard statement you might say. And that is, if we are Christians but we're not being like salt and light, then we're good for nothing. We're not really benefiting the world that we're existing in as, our, as we are serve as Christians. And so I want you to look at Matthew chapter 5 and just see these words that Jesus has to say to us. And see what we can learn about being salt and light And see whether we're really good and doing good deeds or if we're just good for nothing. So let's look at Matthew chapter 5 together and beginning in verse 13. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. He's addressing those who know him. You are the salt of the earth. But he says, if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then, and there's the expression we see, good for nothing. So as Jesus is talking about Physical salt, he says, if salt loses its flavor, if it loses its characteristics, if it loses its benefit, then it's good for nothing. And he goes on to say, so if it's that way, just throw it out and let it be trampled underfoot by men. But in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. So he said, we are the salt of the earth, but we're also the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So Jesus said, you are the light of the world, and when a city is lit up, you can't can't hide it. You can see it. If you've ever been up on Mount Sinai and look over Dalton, it's a beautiful sight just to see all the lights at night. Uh, Joyce and I have visited New York City, and when you go, it's called the City of Light because the lights never go out in New York City. It's always lit up. And so Jesus is saying, we're to be that type of light. We are always shining out day and night. And he said, just like a light that is a lamp, you don't put it under a basket because then you can't see the light from it. He said, but it's got to be on a lampstand. So it gives light to all who are in the house. And then he says in verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus is describing our lives in two ways. We're to be salt and light. We're to take on the characteristics that salt would have and to make that effect on the world that we're living in as Christians. And we're to have the same effect that light does in darkness and to have that effect in the world that we're living in. And he says those two things and he comes to that conclusion of saying that we're to be the salt and light so that others may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is saying there is some end result that should come from being salt and light, right? It's not just be out there and be in the world and be a good person morally, but he's saying there should be some benefit that's coming out of us being salt and light in the world and should have some effect. And he says that people may see our good works that we're doing and it will bring glory to God and people will be glorifying the Father. So that means as you and I are being salt and light in the world, it's affecting people in such a way that it brings glory to God and it causes them to praise God. So it's making an impact, right? It's not just a subtle thing. It's making an impact. Now, there's a key word when that verse 16 that Jesus says, he said, that they may see. Now, usually when we say, did you see that? We're asking the question, did you get a look at it, Right? Did you see those ground-up sausage pieces this morning that Jimmy Lefford cooked so that those of us who like to put uh, sausage and gravy and biscuit and egg all together, we wouldn't have to crumble up the sausage patties? Way to go, Jimmy. I saw that. But you know what? When I saw it, I didn't just look at it and look away. When I saw it, I was drawn to it. I paid attention to it. I made a little deal about it. Look at this. We got ground up sausage that's cooked that I can just put in with my biscuit and my gravy and my egg and make me a scrambler. And so I was excited about it. I experienced it. Well, when Jesus said that they may see your good works, he didn't use the word in the Greek language that means to just glimpse at something and noticed it was there. But he used the word Aden. And the word "ada" means to look intently at, to experience, to pay attention, to learn from. Just like when I saw that scrambled up sausage pieces this morning, I didn't just glimpse at it. I paid attention to it. I experienced it. And now as I began to experience it, then uh, Chris Wheat told me, said, hey, that's that ground-up sausage there, that's fresh sausage that my dad got, and he brought it. I said, well, was the patties that way, too? He said, no, just this is. The more I learned, the more <laughs> exciting it got. I didn't just get some of those patties and tear them up. I got some fresh sausage that have been prepared for those who will make scramblers like I did. And I put it all together. I experienced it. It tastes good. Man, it was awesome. Y'all thinking, boy, don't take much for him to get excited about breakfast, does it? But I just say that, that that's the way that Jesus is saying that they may see you and your good works. He's not saying, don't let them just kind of know you're out there or see just that you're a good person or just get a glimpse of your life It's like maybe it's not quite like a lot of other people, but live your life in such a way as salt and light that people experience it, they pay attention to it, and the more that they get to know about you, the more exciting it gets and the more flavor it adds to their life. That's what Jesus is trying to get across. And he's saying, basically, if we're not living our life in that type of way, then we're good, but we're good for nothing. We're not accomplishing why Jesus left us here on earth as Christians. Jesus didn't leave when I accepted Jesus Christ, when any of you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He wants you to live a good moral life and live according to his word. But if we're doing that, we're going to be doing things that impacts other people's lives to where they not only just see us. There were people who saw me driving to the church parking lot, but it didn't make a lot of difference in their life. But if they see how I live my life, if they hear the words that I speak, if I pour my life into their life, they begin to experience salt and light. And therefore, I'm not just good, but good for nothing. I'm good for something. And you know what? Jesus didn't die for us to just be good for nothing. He died for us to do something good. So as I look at these scriptures and I look at this illustration that Jesus uses about salt and light... If I'm good for nothing, then that means I'm not salt that provides seasoning. If you got your church app, you'll see that's the first thing it's mentioned. That a person who is good for nothing is a person who is not salt that provides seasoning. Because one of the main characteristics of salt is that it seasons things. It adds flavor, doesn't it? Sometimes you may get, uh, you know, especially this happens a lot Uh, If you eat at restaurants or different things, if you ever eat mashed potatoes, I don't know why this happens a lot with mashed potatoes, but it does with me. You get some mashed potatoes, and you take a bite, and you go, that needs some salt. I hear that a lot of times when people eat, could you pass the salt? These mashed potatoes need some salt. They're saying that the texture is there, and I know they're mashed potatoes, but they just don't really have the flavor. And so you add that seasoning of salt to add some flavor to it. And if we as Christians are not adding some flavor, some seasoning to the lives of those around for us, we are what? Good for nothing. If we're not adding some flavor to the lives of those around us, then we are good for nothing. Just like salt. If I put salt on those potatoes and they still tasted the same except they had a little bit of crunchiness to them, that wouldn't make any difference. It would be good for nothing. Nothing. Jesus said salt that is like that might as well just be thrown out in the streets. It's no of benefit to anybody. And so you and I have been left here to be salt in this world to add some seasoning, to add some flavor to life, to add a little bit of Jesus to this world. You see, people are the only Jesus has no plan of coming back and just kind of walking on the earth and telling people he's Jesus and teaching and so forth. His plan is to come back and to rule and reign. And to rapture us out of this world, but he'll come back and rule and reign on this world. So you and I are left here to be adding some seasoning and some flavor to this world so that people get a little taste of Jesus. Everywhere you and I go, whether it's work, school, some social event, some sports activity, everywhere we go, we need to add a little bit of Jesus to that scene or to that setting. Now, I know for some of us, when we go to a sports event, it's a little test of what kind of seasoning we're going to add. But it needs to be a little taste of Jesus. It's all right at a ball game to get a little excited at uh, Noah's ball game the other day. I used to coach Michael and Christy when they was little, and, and I'd get excited and you know, yell for the kids and everything, yell instructions for them to do. But it's been a really long time since I've been out there, and at Noah's last ball game, there were some of the regular coaches who weren't there, and the head coach, I saw him go out on the mound. He's in the age group where the coach pitches to the kids. I saw him go out on the mound, and he looked over in the direction of the stands, and he went, and I'm thinking, who's he pointing at? I said me. He goes, but then you're wondering, is there anybody else going like that too? Because <laughs> sometimes about ten or twelve people go. <laughs> I said me. So I went out there and they asked me if I coach first base. I thought, wow, I haven't coached first base a long time. Sounds exciting. Next thing I know, I'm leaving that ball game like this. Hey, great game! What a call! dog for yelling and screaming. But I tried to add a little seasoning to the ball game. But I tried to add it in the flavor of Jesus and not do anything that was inappropriate. But add a little excitement to it. You and I are to add a little bit of flavor, a little excitement to the world that we're living in. But make sure they get a taste of Jesus and not the devil when you season it. So you and I are good for nothing if we're not adding This salt that provides seasoning to the world. We're also good for nothing if we don't add a little bit of preservative to this world that we're living in. You see, salt, one of its other main characteristics is not only that it's a seasoning, that it adds flavor, which we use it for more than anything... But they understood in that day that they didn't have refrigeration and they didn't have all the different types of the ways of preserving things like we do today. And salt is still a big preservative today. When you buy things in cans and stuff, it's always got a lot of sodium in there to preserve it. Canned goods and so forth. But they really understood it in that day that when you talked about salt, it was a preservative. It maintained the life of something. And without that preservative, something would spoil and decay. And if we are Christians in this world and we're not adding that preservative characteristic, then we're good, but good for nothing. You see, that preservative characteristic that you and I as Christians are to do today is that we're to preserve God's Word. And the Bible tells us that we are to store God's Word in our heart, right? So I'm not only to count on my electronic Bible that I have or my paper-printed Bible that I have to always have God's Word, but I'm to, as the Bible says, I'm to meditate it and store it in my heart and my mind that I can always bring out God's Word. I don't have to count on my tablet or my phone or a printed-out piece, but I've got it stored in my heart and my mind. That's one way that I preserve it. But I think for you and I to be sought in the world, we preserve God's Word by sharing it with others. And the more we share God's Word from one generation to another, God's Word is carried on and on. And so the Bible is telling us that you and I, are to be preserving God's Word, not only storing it in our heart, but also teaching it to others so that they understand what God's Word is and what it means and that it's the foundation of Christianity. And if you and I are not effectively preserving God's Word, it is going to be deteriorated over time from one generation to another because this world is full of people that have always asking questions of why. And it's always, well, what's good for you may not be good for me. And so we've got to be actively preserving God's Word, teaching that it is the foundation of what this whole life was created from, and it's the substance from one generation to another that must be passed down. So we've got to preserve it not only in our heart and our mind, but by teaching it to others. But one of the other characteristics that they understood about salt in that day was that it was a healing pro- or property, had healing properties. And so you and I, we are good for nothing if we're not that salt that provides healing in this world that we live in. You know, when you, uh, one of the things that has just become a big topic within society and within Christian uh, conversations is about how how that suicide rates have increased over and over. And you're hearing people of all different ages, not only people who are older, but people who are younger that are committing suicide. And it seems like that everybody has been affected over the last couple of years by somebody that has taken their own life. And that lets us know that there are a lot of people who are hurting in this world. And you know, when you look at the Bible, when Jesus was walking on the earth, when somebody was hurting, what did they do? They took them to Jesus, didn't they? And that's the same thing that you and I need to be doing in this world that we're living into. And that is got to realize there's a lot of people who are hurting in this world. And if we are not bringing these hurting people to Jesus, then we're good for nothing. We've got to have that characteristic in our life that we are bringing people to Jesus. Well, here the Lord not only said that we're to be salt, and if we're not, Salt that is adding seasoning and preservative and healing to the world. We're good for nothing. But he also revealed to us that we're to be light. And light, we know, dispels darkness. Light guides people where they need to go, right? But in the Bible, there's two things that I've seen that light takes out the darkness. That there's a sage of darkness that's described as being evil. And you and I are, are to be light In the darkness of this evil world that we live in. You don't have to uh, spend much time on TV that if you watch a little bit of news and stuff, it just seems like that the world has gone crazy. I've told uh, George several times that when you can watch the news and it is proof that there has to be a God, or we would just all destroy ourselves. Either shootings or bombings or insane lifestyles, we would just self-destruct. There has to be a God. And God's telling us that we're to be light in this world to bring light to the darkness of evil. And if you and I are not doing that, then we're what? Good for nothing. You see, if the Bible's talking about that evil is darkness, then everything that the world sees that is drawing them towards sinfulness is drawing into the darkness of evil. And that's where Satan wants to get people at. And so you and I have got to be bringing the light of Jesus to a people so that they can see what truly is evil and what truly is good. It's not what I feel is good to me right now, but it's what the truth is, what the foundation is. But we're not only to bring that light that brings to the the light in the darkness of evil, but also in the light in the darkness of hopelessness. You see in the Bible, darkness is always related to either evil or hopelessness. You continually see that tie within it. And as I mentioned that, there's a lot of people that just feel like that life has no hope now. That's why they commit suicide, isn't it? Life has no meaning. It has no substance. It has no hope for me. But when you and I bring the light of Jesus, it's letting people know that there is hope. That God will never leave them. He will never forsake them. And that the Bible tells us that we're to bring all our burdens and to cast them on him. And he will carry those burdens. So when we feel like, you know, when you encounter somebody, and you know when a person is down and out and struggling in their life, when they feel like their family's falling apart, their finances are falling apart, they just don't know where to turn, that's when we need to step in and turn them to Jesus and shine the light to them, to let them know there is hope, that you don't have to commit suicide, you don't have to give up on life, you don't have to give up on your marriage, you don't have to give up on your family, because there is hope you just got to look for the one who provides hope, and that is Jesus. And so the Bible tells us we're to be salt and light. To shine the light where people can see the way and to give people a little flavor to this life that we're living in. And you know, when you look at what all is said in these scriptures, Jesus comes to that conclusion that if we're not salt and we're not light, we're what? Good for nothing. If we look at that in just terms of today... If we're just living a good moral life, but we're not sharing the gospel with other people, we're good, but we're good for nothing. If we're involved in Life in the Word and we come to Life in the Word classes, we're being good, aren't we? But if we're not bringing somebody else with us or inviting others to Life in the Word, then we're good, but good for nothing. If we're part of the youth ministry, and we're excited about the youth ministry, we think we got a great youth ministry, but we're not bringing our friends to the youth ministry. We're good, but we're good for nothing. If we know that next Sunday is Easter, and we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and it's all about the opportunity of salvation, and we're excited about that, and we're going to come, but we don't tell anybody else. We don't invite our family or our friends, but we come. We're being good, aren't we? But we're good for nothing. Because we're not being salt and light in the world. And I want you to leave with this one thing I want you to remember. Jesus didn't die for us to be good for nothing, but to do something good. I want to ask you to bow your your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And as I come to give an invitation ready this morning, is your life being salt and light? Or have you kind of fallen into that category of, I'm a Christian and I'm being a good person. But Jesus said, if you're not salt and light, if you're not making an impact on other people's life, if you're not pouring your life into others to where their life is being changed, you may be good, but you're good for nothing. And I don't know about you, but I sure don't want to be a call to good for nothing. I want my life to know that I have impacted other people's life. You know, we're in a season right now, as I mentioned about Easter. Next Sunday is Easter. And maybe you, as we've looked at these scriptures this morning, maybe you kind of feel a little bit challenged in your own personal life that you really haven't been the salt and light that God wants you to be. Right now is a good time to just make a decision. Next Sunday is Easter. I'm not going to be a good-for-nothing. I'm going to do something good with my life. So I got some family. I got some friends. I got some neighbors. I know some people that I do business with. And I'm going to invite them to come to Easter. Because I don't want to be a good-for-nothing. I want something good to come out of my life. I want you to remember that Jesus said, May see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And when he said, see your good works, he wasn't just saying, I want them to see you're a good person. I don't want them to just see your life. But I want them to experience what you've experienced. I want them to get a little taste of what you've got a taste of. The only way you can do that is by bringing your life into their life and being salt and light. This morning, maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and all this about being salt and light is a little bit strange to you. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, or maybe you're unsure of your salvation, then I want to lead you in a prayer that you can pray right where you're at to turn your life over to the Lord, to ask Him to forgive you of your sins, and to accept Him as your Savior. And if that's your need in your life, would you pray this prayer silently in your heart, right where you're sitting, dear Lord? I know I've made some mistakes with my life. But I feel your Holy Spirit speaking to me. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to cleanse my heart. And I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning and you really meant it, you made the most important decision of your life. If you pray that prayer with me this morning, I want to remember you in my prayers and I want to rejoice with you. So if you prayed that prayer, would you just slip up your hand just to acknowledge and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and I really meant it. With nobody else looking around, thank you. Thank you. Are there others? You prayed that prayer with me this morning. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, you did make the most important decision of your life and I want to pray with you, I want to rejoice with you. We want to give you some things that will help you to walk the Christian life. So in just a moment we're going to have an invitation and, and I'd love for you to just come take my hand and say pastor I prayed that prayer this morning. But maybe you're also today some of you already know that you're a Christian but you just really haven't been the salt light to the world like that you should be. And I know if you're like me you don't want to be a good for nothing. You want something good to come out of your life. So maybe you just want to pray a prayer right where you're sitting right now just to say Lord I'm, I'm trying to live a good life. But I really don't feel like I've impacted others like I could and like I should. So, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of that failure. Would you help me from this day forward to be salt and light and to really make a difference? Now if you prayed that prayer, the next thing I want you to do is not raise your hand but I want you to do something this week that will be salt and light to somebody's life. Make a difference, even if it's just inviting somebody to come to Easter service. You know, at the first of this year, I gave a challenge to do three things. To read a few verses in the Bible every day, to take a few few minutes to pray, and to invite somebody to church this week. So I'm gonna ask you to do that same thing. Continue that going. Read a few verses in the Bible each day. Take a few minutes and pray. And invite somebody to church this week. And you'll start being salt and light. Lord, we come to you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit and what you're doing in hearts and lives. Lord, we pray, God, that your precious will be done in this service today. And it's in your holy name we pray and praise you. Amen.